this is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds. It's your weekly Monday hotspot for the weird, wacky, wild, and just generally interesting things going on in sports. It's Victory Monday, as Mia O'Brien says. She is Mia O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Oh, boy, howdy. It is a wild Monday, in fact, in the world of the NFL, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But, Mia, you have had a crazy day yourself. Yes. Crazy day. Uh, I, I regard this, John, uh, not just as my favorite day to do Out of Bounds right here on Know Your News, but my favorite day to do any sort of sports content creation because uh, besides the month of October, it is truly the crossover moment on the sports calendar year. You have the tampering window that opened at noon Eastern today in the NFL, so free agents could begin talking to new teams. The NCAA tournament, we have a bracket. This is March last night. And for myself locally here in the Jacksonville area, the Players' Championship wrapped up yesterday with world number two, Scotty Scheffler, claiming the Players' Championship. He was obviously last year's Masters champion. He is now only the third golfer in history to be the active Masters reigning champion and also the active players champion. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of action going on. Um, Yeah, so I can't complain. Um, And I'm rocking the new Sawgrass Splash hat from the Players Championship Mm. and uh, a new shirt courtesy of my good friends at Homage. So, uh, yeah, ready to rock and roll. And uh, my toast will give you a little more insight into what my wacky week was last week. Yeah, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that, uh, as Mia said, just stuff happening all around the spectrum, really, truly one of the busiest times of the year in the sports world, and that's good. That's good content for hashtag Out of Bounds on Know Your News, and if you'd like to get involved with Know Your News and Out of Bounds specifically, you head on over to KYNchat.com, you leave a comment, a question, get it up on air, or if you're watching on YouTube, you just leave a comment in the YouTube chat and we will be able to get it on air as well we are monitoring that throughout the course of the show but as mia said she's got an opening little toasty toast for us i've yes. got which what, what should i go to my know. opening toasty toast um so i have water and i just have straight coca-cola um that is in large part because asmr asmr, ASMR. Oh, there you go. Very nice. nice. Um, That is in large part uh, due to the fact that uh, it was a week ago tomorrow that I had my longest day working the Players' Championship because I host two shows on 1010XL on Tuesdays. And so I was out at the course from about 8.15 a.m. until about 8.15 p.m. Um, Felt fine. Everything's good. I may or may not have had two lunches to try to overcompensate for. uh, Yeah. Well, I went and I got the media lunch and then Taco Lou came over with tacos. I couldn't say no. And also I knew I wasn't going to have dinner until like 830 at night. And this was at like 1245. Okay. So I thought that that was proactive. Um, fast forward to about three in the morning. And um, yeah, maybe not the best idea. Um, and so I immediately assume, oh, it's just because I overate. And then when it happened again, about two hours later, I went, oh, wow, maybe I have food poisoning. And it felt pretty crappy the Wednesday practice round. But I still went to work, you know, got to grind it out. Uh, woke up Thursday, felt much better. And so, you know, kind of dismissed it as, all right, must have been, you know, food poisoning, 24-hour bug. Bug. Mm -hmm. And then the news came Friday that world number one John Rahm, who, granted, I hadn't actually spoken with, um, but who was also here in Ponte Vedra Beach uh, for the Players' Championship, was withdrawing from the players because he couldn't get his head out of 
the toilet all of Thursday night and Friday morning. Mm. I later found out that an intern of mine slash mentee also contracted said stomach bug. I also found out another good friend of mine's babysitter contracted the stomach bug. Um, So it's going around. I'm on the mend. Um, But cheers, um, you know, to more soda and fizzy drinks. I hope you settle this. Today's the first day I'm feeling 100% better. Um, Best week of the year, though. So we powered through. And I hope John Rom's feeling better. And I'm sorry if I gave you the stomach bug. Do you think you gave him the stomach bug? Um, I would have seen him Thursday morning. But the thing is, is that one of my good friends, Mark Carnival, PGA Tour Live, um, was the uh, reporter on the ground with them for ESPN featured group coverage. And he said that John, like midway through the round, you could see all of a sudden he like had a palish look. I don't think in you the- You realize, you yeah. realize, Mia, that what? you could have solely, you- I'm patient could have, zero. Could have affected Vegas- I know. And the odds, you could have lost people money. You could be responsible for a lot of people losing money. You I know. Exactly. That, that's why it's the toast. That's why it's this week's toast. Because Interesting. here I was thinking I just got tacos, uh, you know, that maybe, you know, hit the wrong note in my stomach. But perhaps it was something more. So keep washing those hands, folks. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Wash your hands. I just put down some whiskey. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm feeling feeling a little chefy today. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hit the sous vide today, and I was feeling extra adventurous. I went and made homemade Jack Daniels barbecue sauce, like what you'd see at TGI Fridays. I made it. I'd spent a lot of time on it. What are you, what are you using it on? I can use it on anything. I made it for surplus. Oh, you made a surplus. Okay. And are you going to start selling it? Freaking amazing. Just saying. Just I saying. I think we make it John Daniels. Um, no copyright Every- infringement. We could. We could. Um, I just hope that it is not for the faint of diet. Those who dig into conspiracy theories, what they put in their body, like Aaron Rodgers, perhaps. Ah. Uh, <laughs> All right, Mia, let's break this down. He is. What is there to break down? Well, well, here's the thing. He is allegedly, according to some people on his way over to the New York football jets. Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo saying it's a done deal. We know that these talks have been happening. Both sides have confirmed as such. Green Bay management essentially saying, well, thanks for a great run here. And the Jets, Woody Johnson and company met with Rodgers in person. He said that he would not draw this out, that there would be a deadline. He'd get this thing done. And yet, as the NFL free agency gets started here, Mia, Aaron Rodgers is holding everything up for the Jets. So how on brand is this number one? And how does this thing shake out? Very on brand. Um, I enjoy. You could say he's the- leaving the Jets in the dark. Well played. Well, I hope that's the title of today's. You could episode, say that there's not already silence all around. Yeah, it's silence of the you lambs. You could say that he's dipping one foot in the New York media market. I got plenty of that. He's lucky I'm not covering this, man. That's all I can say. I enjoyed all the Jets uh, reporters um, that. Uh, we're tweeting, well, you know, he's in California. That's three hours behind. That's why we haven't heard anything yet, as if oh. California is this far off third world country, um, which, you know, if you were really going into the darkness, maybe you would have gone there for some sort of, um, you know, epiphany as opposed to the mountains of Oregon. I also have felt for my good friends in the Green Bay media uh, market because I have been there. 
I know the feeling of you don't want to nap. You're afraid to look away from your phone. You're literally being held hostage by the news cycle. I get it. It's awful. Um, but this is Aaron Rodgers. This is what he does. And in my estimation, John, and in talking to other people around the league, that is where Murphy, Mark Murphy and the Green Bay Packers ownership group ultimately sits. I think that they are done. They're over the drama. They they have Jordan Love. They spent the 26th overall pick on him. Why not roll the dice and see what happens? Because oh, yeah, at the end sure. of the day, Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40 this year. I mean, I think this is much less the thing about the Packers as it is the Jets. I mean, oh, yeah, 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 no, agreed, the ramifications agreed. of all of this here. Yes. More Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets wait. Let's yes. say he does go to the Jets. Your teammates, your new teammates, who don't exactly come from a culture of winning, by the way, they now have to embrace you and be okay with the fact that you held the franchise at gunpoint. Yes. Uh, and on top of that, let's say he doesn't go to the Jets. And he goes back to the Packers. Or wherever he goes, wherever it may be. Well, now the Jets just saw Derek Carr go to the Saints. They saw Jimmy G go to the Raiders, which we'll get to in just a couple minutes here. The options are significantly limited. Now, Mike, Mike White went to Miami, right, John. Exactly. You're forgetting the most important right. name in the stable so is that Mike Aaron White, their savior, all- is gone. It's amazing to me, Mia, that these guys who perpetually show us who they are at their core, we know that Aaron Rodgers is one of the strangest men to ever put on a football helmet. Hall of Fame quarterback, no questions. MVP, no question. But... He's one of the strangest men ever in this league. And all these teams keep bending on their knees to bow down to this man and say, you tell us what you want, pal. And that's what this is the New York City media market. Mia, this guy's going to come in there and every single day he's going to be under the microscope. And do you think this guy's really ready to handle that? Outside of the weird um, drug use. How different is this than the last Green Bay quarterback who thought he wanted to go play in front of the New York media? That's my response. Didn't work out well at all. He retreated to the safety of the Midwest within a year. So, and we're talking about Brett Favre in case you missed it. Um, So, yeah, no, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is prepared for the New York media. I don't think anybody is. I I think this this is such a gamble by the Jets. Because if he does change his mind, I mean, I saw some people throwing out there, like, what if the trade does get processed and then Aaron Rodgers shows up for OTAs and he goes, eh, I don't like these kids. I'm retiring. Right. right. And what do you do? I mean, that You're would back be back to square one with Zach Wilson, that who you already, question. less yeah. than two years after you drafted him, have already said, yeah, we're done. We're moving hey, on. Look, where things stand right now, Trey Wingo, who not traditionally known as an NFL reporter per se, but this yeah, past season. He's not at ESPN. I think he's trying to find right. his own niche. Um, he said it's a done deal. Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network saying not yet. So maybe it's possible that it's actually Arson Rodgers that went to the New York Jets as Arson Judge went to the San Francisco Giants. Never forget. But I'm just Something saying. about those Northern California men, John. It's just, this is not a given, but if it happens, look, could, could he be the guy for them? He could be the guy. Uh, we've, we've said it on the show. We both and we've said that they're a quarterback talent. away. They have talent. Yeah, they got, no questions asked. They got talent. But I worry about the ramifications of diddling things around what that can do and say about you as a leader. Yes. Well, but it's the excuses. Well, he's Aaron Rodgers. He can do what he wants. And maybe so that's accurate. Maybe that's right. 
Well, here's my thing. If you were upset with your rapport with your young wide receivers, then why didn't you show up in OTAs? At least to be in a coaching role, if you may, or just even an advisory role. You don't have to actually work out. Tell them, I don't want to actually work out, but at least I want to meet with the kids. I want to throw with them on the side. I don't know. Maybe go go to Cabo with them. I don't know where to Trevor took uh, the Jaguars wide receivers Uh, to uh, Bermuda. I think Zach Wilson took his Zach Wilson took last year's Jets receivers to like the mountains of Montana. Like go do something. New York football players going on trips doesn't typically end up. That's also true. Panning out very well for people. So you're not wrong. What do you make of all the sauce Gardner stuff too? Is he too online? Like I like him a lot, but I think he's a little too online. That's where we're at, man. It's we're talking gen z and twitter you know like and insta and like that's and michael that's, parsons was pretty online today that's too. our new reality and we'll talk about athletes and ages a little bit on this show because uh, that's a conversation for something itself but yeah i mean i mean any closing thoughts here on the rogers stuff we're going to monitor it throughout the show there's a chance by the end of the show aaron Rodgers may be a new york jet or he may not be in new that york. would be fun i would rather it be at the end of this show than having to wait another five days or i don't know maybe another five weeks because for all we know that could happen well and like Let's say he holds them up, and then he doesn't go. What's the Jets' option at that point? I, I there's there's one option. Well, there's one option that they could go with that they have in their back pocket, and that is with Lamar Jackson getting the franchise tag, where they can still make an offer on him. I, I feel like there's a little more of a safety net knowing that he's there, and nobody else is likely to make an offer still oh it's a risk there's no question about it it's perhaps the biggest gamble we've seen outside of the Denver Broncos a year ago hoping and praying Rodgers would pick them as the bell of the ball they lucked out and that they somehow swung a trade for Russell Wilson but oh wait he did not pan out did they luck out (laughs) maybe not maybe not so much and by the way uh Shelby Harris who they dealt to Seattle released today and part of the Russell Wilson deal worked out real well for them not what you want let's stay in the National Football League John because today is when the tampering window could open so teams have a little over 48 hours to at least initiate contact with potential free agents the league year is set to open Wednesday at 4 p.m how much does winning NFL free agency actually matter in comparison to other sports hi Jawan Taylor former Jaguar now Kansas City Chief yeah, they uh, they went all in on him, huh? That's a bag. Well, we, I mean, that's a story in and of itself. The fact that he has never played left tackle in the National Football League, and unless they pull off this coup that's now being rumored in a trade for Laramie Tunsil, he's going to be the left tackle for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so and he got a lot of money to do it, but he's never played the position. Yeah, I mean, guys, guys do move around throughout the course of their career, so and that is a tough position to play. But uh, listen, I think NFL free agency is very different than free agency in the other sports. It does carry some of the excitement that NBA free agency has, but the way that money flows in football, you can give a big contract to somebody and everyone on the surface level is like, oh my goodness, this team just won free agency. And then that player's gone a year later. Like that's just how the LA Rams. Right. That's just how NFL contracts are structured. So truthfully, I don't put a lot of thought and a lot of emphasis on who wins free agency. in the It's nice on paper and the bells and whistles are there. And maybe that makes you more attractive for headlines and media coverage. But how often 
do NFL teams improve by making gigantic signings? It happens, but I feel like most teams improve by drafting well. That's typically how a team gets better. That's because, inherent. Yeah, that's how you create sustained success. Yeah, because by the time most players, and I know I'm generalizing here, but by the time most players hit free agency, they've already reached their peak or they're just at their peak. And that's why I think the NFL is different than most other sports in that sense. Yes. I'm go, uh, breaking news for those Jaguar fans listening. The best blocking tight end in the league, Chris Manhurts, off the Denver Broncos. Sad. Oh, uh, my, RIP, RIP my podcast project with him. I'm going to have to text him later. Um, I'm going to read. I'm going to read you this, this John, um, because I agree with you. I think to create sustained success in the National Football League, knowing how many holes on a roster, knowing that you have to have 22, 25 technically starting players, um, yes, you can't just rely on band aid fixes across the board. That is why we've seen teams like the Jags for the last five to six years, where they've just been slapping band aid fixes because they've struck struck out in the draft to try to comp- overcompensate. It just doesn't relate. It doesn't excuse me, translate to long-term success. With that said, here are the numbers. This is courtesy of Field Yates of ESPN. The team that has spent the most in free agency each of the past, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, seven years, the past seven years, each of those teams saw their win total increase from the season before. So the Jaguars spent the most last offseason. They saw their win total spike by six additional wins. The Patriots added three wins after spending the most in 2021. RIP to Jonu Smith, uh, now with the Atlanta Falcons, as of this morning. 2020, the Dolphins spent the most. They added five wins in 2020. The Jets adding three wins 2019. The Bears seven in 2018 when they made that run to the playoffs. The Jags adding seven in 2017 when they made the run to the AFC Championship game on the backs of signings, including Calais Campbell, who is now back on the open market. And then the Giants in 2016 adding five wins after being the biggest spenders. And they're still reeling from that. (laughs) And they're still reeling from that because it gave you an immediate return, but did did it translate to long-term success? Probably not. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, look, we can talk about free agency here. Yeah, the Giants got ahead of – the field in, in retaining Daniel Jones, the, the Daniel Jones. what do you think of the Daniel Jones contract? Cause that's something we've talked about a lot on this show. I thought it was a good contract for both sides. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. I, I think that at the end of the day, it was a coup, not just because they got Daniel Jones at the price tag that they did, but they were also able to then use the franchise tag mm-hmm. on Saquon Barkley. I think that that was the biggest factor. For a me. lot of the money is incentive laden, but mm-hmm. there's still a good amount of guaranteed money. And also what was your other option? Right, that's what I'm saying. You're gonna, you were gonna sit in the darkness and wait for Aaron Rodgers too. So I'm right. So I'm, I'm all about what they did there. Again, free agency. It's exciting to see the moving pieces. I don't think too many teams today made franchise altering moves. Maybe the Jets have. We'll see. They won't be through free agency. It'd be through a trade. But. The free agent market pool was also not that great this year. Fairly weak um, this year. Yeah, some people said that last year, um, and obviously for some teams it paid off dividends. The only big name for me that I think could take them over the top is Javon Hargrave to the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. and that is just adding mm-hmm. to an already loaded defensive front. I mean, the Eagles ran all over them once, and they said, fine, we'll go throw a bag at him. And I also think, John, it really speaks to the, the, the flexibility – 
that the 49ers have with their payroll because they either are going to be trotting out Trey Lance, still on a rookie deal, or Brock Purdy, not only on a rookie deal, but on the 256-pick rookie deal. Or Sam Darnold, who they signed today. That's true. They also signed him. If Kyle Shanahan can play QB whisperer again and get Sam Darnold to be the player that people thought he might be coming out of USC. You just have to go home to California. And how ironic being from the Jets would that all be at the end of the day here. Uh, it could be fascinating. Let's keep moving on here. We'll stay with football for one more topic. Look at this. Football in St. Louis. Ugh, those poor St. Louis fans. I always. I know you're them. not thinking of St. Louis as much of a football town these days. No, it is. But, my goodness, 38,000 plus to see the St. Louis Battlehawks, a team that has been spoken about three times on Out of Bounds, by the way, host the Arlington Renegades. It was a St. Louis win. This is a great story. A.J. McCarron, once again, just making magic in St. Louis. 38,000 fans, Mia, is a record for spring professional football in the United States across all leagues, including when the original USFL was around, the current USFL, the AAF, the XFL 1, XFL 2, and now XFL 3. What does this say here, if anything, about how this league is tracking? I don't know if it says something about the league as much as it says that the National Football League shouldn't have left St. Louis, quite frankly. I think there's a correlation. That's my bigger takeaway. Mm-hmm. This is an FU to the National Football League, which good for the city of St. Louis. I think this is showcasing that they are still a football town as much as they've had to rebrand themselves. And they always were a baseball city, but rebrand themselves as a hockey town. I think this proves you still have football fans in America's heartland, um, which was never in question. But I think the National Football League has said, oh, whatever, we can't make the money there that we can in Los Angeles. Um, If you're pulling that for a spring football league game, what are you going to pull for an NFL game? And while I don't think the league is going to be headed back to St. Louis anytime soon, that's my biggest takeaway with all due respect to the rest of the XFL, because uh, do you have any other XFL attendance numbers for the weekend? I don't know if you do off the I top. Them up. Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, and we talked about this, John, when the XFL first began a couple weeks ago, I said to you, then the cities that don't have an NFL team, this is a game changer for them. This gives them that professional football franchise. We even said with a massive city like Orlando, Like, having a football team in your backyard changes things. Um, But for a city like Houston that already has an NFL team, what good does it do them to have an XFL team? So we got 38,310 for this game. We got 15,000 for San Antonio, Seattle. 10,000 for Houston and Orlando and D.C., Las Vegas. 11,000. Yeah. Which, you know, again. Was it it in D.C. or was it in Las Vegas? Uh, I believe that game was in D.C. Okay. So, again, I, you know, another football NFL home base. I was going to say if it's in Las Vegas, as we talked about on last week's episode, uh, yes, they're playing is. on a soccer field. So, I mean, listen, they probably can only host about 5,000 fans there, and they had to add in 6,000 seats. Yeah, that game was in D.C. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, for a first-year league where you have to remember – Fans are not super familiar with these players going into seeing them play for the first time or for the first few weeks. Or you have to fall in love with these players. You have to form a connection with these players to want to pay money to see and see them play. I don't think those are bad attendance numbers by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like most of them are playing in these massive venues. And, and 38,000 fans at the Dome there in St. Louis, 
I think you're right. There, It does speak a lot to the city and the appetite for football that does exist there, which is very exciting. I, I hope that it becomes something that is infectious and contagious. We know the championship game is going to be at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. I think that they have a... That's a city that could get an NFL team at some point in time. Sure. I think they have a strong television presentation. It looks good. The game flow, again, I'm not sure how much you're watching here, but the game flow is good. It's an easy product to watch, and it's not bad football. So hopefully this is something that keeps just snowballing and snowballing and snowballing, and we see more and more attendance figures start to creep up into the high 10s, into the 20s. I think that would be great for the XFL, and it's good for the sport. The sport needs stuff like that. Yes, I think that, again, you know, I'm not sure, unlike you, I'm a little less optimistic about the longevity of an XFL or USFL. I don't know what the longevity is. I don't know. Like, I've said this from day one since we started talking about this. I only think the way that this league sustains is if they partner up with the NFL in some capacity. Right, and I don't know how that would go about setting that up. I think you can operate it like um, like the out overtime league or the G League like that. That's what it would um, have to be. It would have right. to be. I mean, but the NBA G League is literally called the NBA G League. I'm not sure you would ever reach a point where you could call it the NFL XFL. Um, I don't think that would really work out. But well, the NFL think- used to have NFL Europe, don't forget, and that was a, deve- was a developmental territory. That is true. So perhaps we'll see. I mean, this I do think – You don't got to go to Hamburg to – play your football or go to Australia and play some sort of rugby while you're rest of your kids, your like the other kids, your age are in college. And that's where I do think, you know, creating an alternative to college. I do think that there are some people who don't want to go and play college football because they don't want to go to college. But I also think we're approaching a point in time where you could go to college and because of NIL and everything else involved, you could major in football. I mean, they already basically are. You were a big Frankfurt Galaxy fan, weren't you? No, it was more about the Berlin Monarchs, or what uh, What were they called? There was the... a Thunder. No. Berlin Thunder. And the Hamburg Sea Devils. I was more a Scottish Claymores kind of guy. Just saying here. Let's yeah. keep moving. We're talking college. All right. Mia, this is great. Oh, boy. More... This hits close to home. With March Madness comes March Sadness. And this is an all-timer. Tell us what's going down here. Here we go. Uh, the Scarlet Knight fans. By the Scarlet Knights, I, of course, mean your family, your religion, and Rutgers basketball. Good Rutgers, despite having a win over the number one team in the country at the time, Purdue, and almost beating them again last week in Chicago at the Big Ten tournament, did not make the NCAA tournament. Their fans are not happy. The Knight Report forum user, Rutgers Al. Tried to make a case for the school to sue the NCAA for leaving them out of the bracket. John, are there any other schools who should be preparing a lawsuit because they too were snubbed? This is so great. So let, let's, I'm going to leave this graphic up here so you can read this because Rutgers wasn't even the first team out, by the way. They're the second team out. Uh, Rutgers Al over here is claiming season ticket holders have standing file a class action lawsuit and invite Rutgers to join file an emergency injunction to postpone the tournament until our case is resolved subpoena the minutes that went into the deliberations that determine who was included and why the NCAA process is arbitrary capricious and unfair because lesser teams were chosen ahead of us most impartial bracketologists had Rutgers in the tournament which is true 
the NCAA improperly considered a recent injury to a player and our recent swoon as reasons to exclude us. Ask the, ask the court to add Rutgers to the tournament. There's no voter fraud here, Mia, among the committee. This is wild, and I love it because it speaks to the passion that March Madness produces Rutgers the past couple of years finally got the taste of March Madness after so long and once you taste that you never want to give it up right well Rutgers doesn't make it uh, I would argue that they are one of the biggest snubs here not just because oh, I, agree. Yes. Uh, I do think that they had a pretty good resume heading until the injuries occurred but uh, yeah I mean what's your take this this field I I personally feel like we're looking at a final four that's probably consisting of mostly number ones or, or somewhere close to the top of the brackets. But uh, I mean, what's your, what's your vibe here? Uh, my vibe is that this is a Rutgers team that lost to temple, um, which I mean, does play in the American athletic conference. They are also a Rutgers team that did not lose to Lafayette this year, did not lose to Bucknell like they did in previous years in which they made the NCAA tournament. And that's why they're upset. But this is also a Rutgers team that blew what was a 20-point lead to Minnesota at the buzzer. That was the last place team in the regular season standings. They did beat Rutgers West, did they not? They did beat Rutgers West, who is in the tournament field, who also made the Big Ten tournament championship game. So I would hope that they made the tournament for the first time since 2011, as they have. Um, But no, Rutgers is definitely, definitely a snub. Um, There's no question about it. They basically blamed this, John, on their non-conference schedule. Um, and the fact that here is their non-con, uh, Fairfield, Columbia, Sacred Heart, UMass Lowell, the Temple game I alluded to, which was played in Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Ryder, Central Connecticut State. Did, is there not a Rutgers booster that can get them on a plane? I hear a lot of NEC and MAC in there. Uh, and then they played Miami in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And Miami. And then Bucknell. Yeah, that's a good one. And Seton Hall, who didn't make the tournament. Coppin State. So that's why. And that was the same reason that Clemson was largely left out of the field despite leading the way in the ACC. Does anyone else have uh, entitlement to a lawsuit here, Mia? No. Okay. Especially not North Carolina, who's our next team. We're going to stick a pen in them because we're going to get back to them here in a second. Um, But yeah, no. I mean, listen, if you don't play with the big boys, you look at a team like Kentucky that struggled throughout the course of this season. You look at a team like Duke that had its downs as well. But guess what? They were playing the elite of the elite. And so that's why they made the field. Because even if they lost to those teams, they weren't afraid to go play the big boys. Look at a team like Gonzaga, plays in the West Coast Conference. They understand that if they don't win their conference tournament, there will be people who question whether or not they should be in the field or not. And so they go out and they schedule like there is no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so that's... That's going to be the learning lesson here. And I think we saw Texas A&M learn from it because they were in the same exact position last year and they threatened a lawsuit, one of their fans, I believe. Um, and so, well, <laughs> yes. Imagine I... postponing the tournament for, it's like, like I want to specify this specifically too. We are doing the show on March 13th, 2023. We're on like the three-year anniversary of the day that the world shut down sports. Okay. And... That tournament was canceled. I think it was actually three years ago today that that, it that was. tournament was canceled. Bad memories. Can you imagine, just in a hypothetical world, where some group of fans somehow 
successfully leverages a lawsuit to hold an injunction on the NCAA tournament and pushing everything back. For your family, your religion, <laughs> and Rutgers basketball. Anything about the NCAA tournament field stand out to you? Uh, um, I really hope we've got some really nice mid-majors, John. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm yeah. hoping we see some Cinderella's. Uh, we see St. Peter's in us here? I, you know, I would really like to. Uh, I know there's some notion that it's going to go pretty chalk, but in reality, outside of Alabama as your number one overall seed, has anybody else truly looked that dominant of late? And the answer is no. Um, we don't know, excuse me, the health of Marcus uh, Sasser, the star player for the University of Houston Cougars, who their fans came for me this afternoon on the internet, which was lots of fun. Um, so we don't know his health status. Bill Self, Hall of Fame head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, the reigning national champs, spent most of last week at the hospital. We don't know, aside from a press statement that says he's hopeful to rejoin the team on the sideline this week. We don't know if he for sure is going to be coaching. And so I think there's a lot of question marks, even with those one seeds you alluded to Purdue for having national player of the year. I don't believe in Purdue at all. Self-admitted they are nowhere near the team they were a year ago in terms of sheer raw talent. They're super young. So I think they're prime for the picking. And so as much as I think we'll see some chalk towards the end of the tournament, I don't know if all four one seeds are going to make it to Houston. Duke's making a run. Watch no, it happen. See, I, see, it's funny you say that because one of my hot takes is I think Oral Roberts has the ability to knock off Duke in the mm, first round. I guess we'll see. So we yeah. always see one conference tournament champ, John, that inexplicably sure. bows out in round one. Last really? year was Iowa. I could see it being Duke after a What if Patino's just like, Iona, you're making a run for me, not for you guys. Please. You're elevating Please. me. I'm begging. <laughs> I'm begging. Well, one team that is not in the tournament, UNC. Yes, last year's national runner-ups, John. Yeah, Yeah, last year's national runner-ups, their preseason number one. They were set to head to the NIT, but Hubie and company said, nah, we good, fam. And they are skipping out on the NIT. And when I heard that, I'm saying to myself, you know, I remember the glory days of the NIT where... Yeah, we didn't make the NCAA tournament, but the NIT has got some got some real muster behind its name. And there's some great lore there. You go to Madison Square Garden and the big finale, but now that's gone. That's off the table. No longer is MSG the home of the finals, which kind of stinks. And UNC, a perennial powerhouse, is Audi. So when I ask you, Mia... Who is this more of an indictment on? Is it the team or is it the luster of the NIT and what it's become? So we've already hit uh, the Jaguars and Iowa on our Mia bingo. So let's hit it at the college. Um, head coach Mike Welch, longtime head coach of the Bombers from 1993 until 2017. was a firm believer that if the football team did not make the NCAA tournament, he did not want to play in one of, one of those Division three sub bowl games. Yes, there are bowl games at the division three level. They mean absolutely nothing. And it's essentially just, you want a 13th game. Here you go. So does the NIT not mean anything anymore? Cause I think right. at one point winning the well, NIT. So that's the thing is I think the NIT means more because, so the reason I brought Ithaca up, coach Welch didn't believe in those games. So if Ithaca, let's say finished 11 and two, but they lost to Cortland in the Empire eight, you know, regular season finale. And so they get the auto bid and Ithaca's Ithaca's done. And they're just getting one of these bowl bids. He would say, yeah, no, we're done. Like I didn't even know 
there was this alternative bowl system, John, until Coach Welch retired and Dan Swanstrom came in to become the head coach and they started playing these bowl games. And I was like, what the heck are these? And it was, oh, these have existed forever. Coach Welch just didn't believe in them. But there's a difference between a one-game Division Three here – here you go. Here's one more game just so you can play another game and feel entitled that you won the um, local 412 uh, Farmers Insurance Bowl game. And the NIT, which is essentially, you know, everybody that just got left out of the field or in the case of the mid-majors, you're seeing the teams that won their regular season conference title and maybe something wonky happened in the tournament and in the in their conference tournament. And that's why they're not playing in the field of 68 this week. And so I don't think it's a knock on the NIT as much as it is. I just think North Carolina, you know, doesn't want to face the music. Um, and I, I think uh, my, my good, my good buddy, uh, he's not my buddy, but I pretend he is Mark Titus now with um, unfortunately Barstool sports previously with the ringer and Fox sports, you know, he talked about when he was on Ohio state and the year after they went to the national title game and they were the national runner-ups they played in the NIT and they looked at it as if we don't win the NIT, like then it's even worse. Like you're in a worse situation than not even playing. They did that Ohio state team did go and win the NIT, but he said, even then like the celebration in the locker room, when you won the NIT was way different than going to the national title game. It's definitely different for a mid-major team, a mid-major team playing in the NIT. Like I'll give you, I'll give you another Iowa. Like, 2017 Iowa started four freshmen like for them to be a two seed in the NIT was a big deal. And it was playoff experience and extra practices. This is a veteran UNC team that had all the hype in the world. And now for what? I think it's, it's very much a case of a team just kind of not being willing to swallow its pride and, and do what's good for the sport, because let's be real. It would be much better for the sport for UNC to be in the NIT. Uh, I mean, think about, the benefits that would be reaped from that television, obviously um, experience for the players involved and for those mid-major teams who would get a chance to play UNC. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. It's like when Robert Morris beat Kentucky in the NIT, that was a huge deal. It's two weeks in a row. Andy tool gets mentioned on the show, but yeah, like that's, that's, that that was a big deal. So it does sting. I, I hate, that the NIT is no longer going to be at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I, I think that, that like takes away the, from some of the allure. That was one of the biggest parts of what made the NIT the NIT. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually think perception-wise, this plays pretty poorly for UNC. Awful. Did you see the statement that they I put did. out? I did. Come on. Yeah. I Seemed a little self-indulgent. Let's keep moving on here. Let's stay with basketball, Mia. Yes. This one I know you were particularly uh, hyped about, John. Georgia Tech men's basketball has named Celtics or will be naming Celtics assistant, former NBA rookie of the year, Damon Stoudemire as its next head coach. John, we're at a point now where stars from the nineties and two thousands, as you and I were growing up, they are coaches. What was the first sports related hiring or event that made you realize that you are old? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, I I like very distinctly remember watching a lot of Damon Stoudemire and him just, tearing it up in the 90s and when i see stuff like this i'm like oh boy like even like mark DeRosa managing uh team usa in the world baseball classic i'm like oh boy like this guy was a pretty good utility player not that Hell, long gabe kapler gabe kapler yeah like that's another one like that, that i'm like what are we doing um 
I mean, Alex even, Cora. Even in the NFL, when these players that are backup quarterbacks go into coaching very quickly, like Davis Webb is now an assistant with the Broncos. Or Josh McCown with his high school uh, right. coaching like, stuff like that. I think, honestly, the the one that really hit me was Derek Jeter being inducted into the Hall of Fame. That was mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I saw this guy's entire career, and it was a Hall of Fame-level career, one of the most illustrious careers in the history of sports. And I saw him go into the Hall of Fame, which is five years after he retired. Actually, in his case, it was six years because of the pandemic. That, Mia, that to me was the first time I was like, okay, <laughs> oh boy, John, like y- you are, y- you have lived a generation. People who are in college right now playing in the NCAA tournament are potentially 13 years younger than you. <laughs> I'm kind of upset you didn't say Tony Clark and, uh, Tony is, Clark being the NFL, the yes. being MLBPA uh, president is definitely. I was really hoping you would uh, pick uh, one of the great mid two thousands Yankees, um, but that's okay. Um, I, I also thought when you posed this question to me earlier and sent me the rundown, it would be in regards to someone now being in power who you would watch play, or better yet, their children now playing at the highest level. Um, so for me, I was going to, of course, say uh, Jaguars legend Frank Gore. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, he walked he he walked five extra yards so that Trevor Lawrence could come to Jacksonville, and we appreciate him for that, put him in the pride. Um, but I think Frank Gore is kind of like right there with like LeBron and Bronny, where yeah. like it's part of the plan. Like part of the plan was eventually father and son would play simultaneously because sure. his son is a star at Southern Mississippi. Um, so I think the correct answer would be Marvin Harrison Jr. becoming the best wide Marvin receiver Harrison in college was, football uh, this year. Lad Jr. being a star. That's another one. Set being a guy Kenyon Martin Jr. <laughs> that that one hurts especially <laughs> yes no absolutely I would say one of those is by far uh way more like I think it's when their kids it's when their kids are playing and that's when you're like wait a second so if they have kids that are old enough to be playing college basketball and professional football so then if I'm the, then that would mean mm-hmm. if I'm older than the kid then this yeah that that's the one that gets me Absolutely. Yeah. This is uh, facing our own mortality here. Yes. And, uh, I wouldn't, but Sotomayor, like, like, I don't know. He's been like with the Celtics. How old is he? He's 49. That's not that, that's not that weird to me. I don't know. I mean, he's this almost is, 50. I, just, I remember. That's okay. I'm not weirded out by that. I just remember watching him a lot and being like, oh man, like, you know, he's a, he's a coach. Now. I, what is weird too, like when college basketball players that I covered, are now in coaching and there's a lot of them that are in mm-hmm. coaching now. That is also very strange for me. Yeah, that's a definitely, or like weird circle of like six degrees of separation where like Brad Meester. Um, I didn't even realize that like, this is what's wacky. So like I knew roughly his name, um, you know, when I was a kid, because he was like the one player on the Jags that never left. He's the longest tenured Jaguar. Um, I also discovered when I moved to Iowa to work there, that he was from Applington Parkersburg. And like, I met him once he was Tristan Wirf's offensive line coach, like didn't think twice about it. Cause I never thought I'd be living in Jacksonville, but obviously now I am. And uh, yeah, now Brad comes back all the time to, you know, come to Jags games with his kids, but he's still coaching up in Mount Vernon, Iowa. So it's weird. And Let's... he retired in what? 2014, which uh, feels like yesterday, John, but it is in fact not. It is not. 
Let's keep with the NBA here. KD. Last week we talked about KD. This week we're talking about KD for an entirely different reason. Mm-hmm. Oh man, brutal! All these. I'm going to paint the scene here. All these Suns fans show up to the arena. Was it Talking Stick Arena? I believe there. Yes, it is correct. They show if up. If it's not, if it's not, I think it's Footprint Arena, but I want to call it Talking Stick. <laughs> Let me see here. It's Talking Stick. I, I got to find this out here. Talking Stick Resort Arena, which is now Footprint Center. Okay, so it was the Talking Stick Arena. Now it is the Footprint Center. Okay. So, they are packing this arena to see Kevin Durant play his first game with the Phoenix Suns. It's going to be awesome. They're doing warm-ups. There's a wet spot on the floor. Wet spot. That's what she said. There you go. Kevin Durant. Goes up for a layup and wipes out on this spot on the floor. And everyone's like, oh, ha-ha. Turns out the dude sprained his ankle. And he very well may be out for the rest of the regular season. So all these fans are there. They're thinking they're going to get to see him. And then they paid all that money. And now there's no refunding. You're not getting Kevin Durant. This guy, Mia undoubtedly one of the most talented men we've ever seen play basketball in our lives. But he's made a glass. Is he just snake bit at this juncture? Or can he still be a major contributor for this Suns team? I think he can because he's not going to be the number one option. I, and I think that's part of why Chris Paul has had such, such success in Phoenix because he doesn't have to be the guy because Devin Booker is the guy. And even with the trade to get Kevin Durant to Phoenix, where you had to give up some pieces like Mikael Bridges, who were other options, um, I think that he doesn't have this weight of expectations like he did in Brooklyn. So I think that that is paramount at this stage of his career. I do think he still has something left in the tank. But, you know, similar to why do you think Clay Thompson was able to come back and, like, basically, I mean, I'm not saying he's the same player as he was before the back-to-back horrendous injuries but he is and it's because he's got Steph Curry next to him and he's got Draymond Green and they've added other young pieces like Jordan Poole and so that's the thing is like Phoenix is gonna have to ensure that KD is an option but he's not the guy I also really thought you were gonna ask about the wet spot but continue I just feel I mean how the wet spot get there is a valid question well so no the reason I was gonna bring it up we mentioned already once in the program about Sasser the star player for Houston how he missed um, Sunday's AAC championship game because he slipped on a wet spot and he suffered a groin injury. And now for a second straight NCAA tournament, he's going to miss at the very least the opening round, it sounds like. What are we doing with these wet spots? The wet spots. Where are the managers? At UNF, when I call games, the managers are at the ready with their towels. Shouldn't you be mopping up the floors at an NBA game? Yeah, Um, like get down, get dirty. Hire some kids. They'll do it. I just don't even know where where that stems from i don't understand where it comes from and the flukeness i mean there's a real chance that kevin durant is nowhere close to 100 percent in the playoffs like he'll play in the playoffs i'm not doubting that he will but also like how how often has he been 100 percent in, no, very in, in the last four years but he just came off a leg injury and now he's got another leg injury a different part of the leg so you're potentially talking about bad ankle bad knee man this guy's he's built like a gazelle and he glides like one too but uh, i'm just i'm hoping he's all right 
he is. I'm more concerned pit. about the wet spots. <sighs> Clean up the wet spots. Let's wet bring spots it home. Yeah, we got a fun one to wrap things up here. What do we yes, got? Yes, this is one that I know you are very excited about, Mr. John Alba. A painful experience at the World Baseball Classic had a sweet ending for William Escala, thanks to an unexpected visit from Japanese phenom Roki Sasaski. Two days after plunking Escala with a 101-mile-per-hour pitch, Sasaski apologized to the Czech Republic outfielder Monday morning and brought him two bags filled with Japanese candy. <laughs> Sasaski, the emerging ace who wowed in his World Baseball Classic debut, met with Escala outside the Czech team hotel in Tokyo and also signed a baseball for him. Sasaski was following a Japanese tradition of giving a gift after hitting a batter. How, number one, did we just find this out, John? And two, what would you like as a gift if you got hit with a 101-mile-per-hour what, what a civilized country, huh? Why are we just hearing about this? Is it because Shohei Otani would never? I don't know. All I'm saying, have you seen any of the World Baseball Classic? I know you've been very busy. Yeah. Have you seen a, any little, of a little bit here and there, and not much. It is, just, it is just so amazing to see these other cultures treat baseball like they're going to a pro wrestling event. Where it's just nonstop screaming soccer. There's nonstop noise. There's organized cheers. There's cheerleaders on the dugouts with the dancing mascots. And all these people here in the U.S. are so pinkies out. We got to enjoy our baseball while we're sipping on some. And we can only do it in under three hours. And, And we can only, I mean, there's nothing fun about it half the time. This is so fun. Shohei Otani hit like a 500-foot home run at the Tokyo Dome the other day. And it was just the coolest freaking thing that I've ever seen. And then Venezuela was playing the or was playing uh, Puerto Rico yesterday at Lone Depot in Miami. And it was packed with 40,000 people just going absolutely nuts. It is amazing. So now for this story here. What a great tradition. Civilized, chivalrous, where you owe a gift to someone that you plunk. Uh, candy, that's that's a good one. I mean, for me, way to my heart, I, I want some whiskey. Give me some whiskey. Oh, I was going to say you want steak. I, I mean, if you want to give me with the Japanese A5 Wagyu value yeah, around exactly. $700, $800, sure. I'm not going to twist your arm about that one. But you, know, you could pay me off with some whiskey or something like that. How, how could they bribe you, Mia? What could they pay you off Ice with? cream. Ice cream? Yeah, ice cream, um, gift cards. I like gift cards. To where? Um, I'm a simple person. Ice cream places, um, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, Chipotle. Okay. These are like little things that would go a long way for me. I mean, I'm so a simple person. Would it, be, would it be worth being hit by a pitch? In, well, in here's that? my thing. is like I either need like a crazy, like I, you need to buy me a hot tub or you need to give me a bunch of gift cards. I don't think you'd be entitled to a hot tub from being hit by a pitch. That seems a little excessive. So I'm trying to pull up right now. Here we go. So, yes, here we go. Also, so playing professional baseball, you probably can afford a hot tub. Just yeah. a thought. So I do want to touch upon this, too, because I actually would agree with this. Because in addition to ice cream and gift cards and hot tub, um, I appreciate experiences yes. uh, and big splurging over material possessions. Jordan Spieth this weekend hit a fan at TPC Sawgrass at the Players' Championship. So his tee shot was heading into the water. 
uh, his ball hit a fan. It ricochets back into the fairway. And basically they went to the fan after he gave him his glove and he was like, what else do you want? And so then, you know, they, they were like, you know, what do you want? And apparently, and I'm going to make sure I get this correct. The fan basically said, give me 20 tickets to the masters and we'll call it even 20 tickets. Yep. I'm making sure that I have that. Correct. 20 is a lot. That's a little, right. I don't Hold know. Let that. me pull it up, but no, yeah, here we go. Meet the fan who saved. Yes. Uh, but then he, yeah, apparently he gave him like, the master's tickets. There we go. He gave it to him? Yeah, here it is. Yep. He gifts tickets and signed a flag to the fan. Oh, here it is. To the Marine fan who saved his errant tee shot from going in the water to help him make the cut at the players. Jordan Smith, uh, Spieth has gifted a fan tickets for this weekend's Players' Championship um, after uh, yeah, 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 the three-time yeah, major I mean winner... If that's the case, give me some concert tickets. Like I'm, I'm in on that. <laughs> like, so he admitted he got lucky on the play. He didn't know how to thank the fans, so we got him tickets for the third round Saturday as well as a signed flag. And it said to to Matt, sorry and thanks. And uh, apparently, this former um, Marine who's been serving in Japan, Germany, Afghanistan, Iraq, among other places, didn't want anything in return. He got to spend some time with Jordan Spieth, and that's all he cared about. And then I guess he said, what else can I do for you? And that's where the Masters tickets came in. And he got them. And he got them. Well, okay. That's at least what I heard from Boots all on right. the Ground. You mean, give me some concert tickets. I'm yeah, not- exactly. That's a, Listen, I would do experiences like that. So if I get hit by a 101-mile-per-hour fastball, yes. Give me concert tickets. Give me airfare money. Uh, give me hotel money. Give me money for those things. Okay. I want experiences. And if you can't do that, then just ice cream. That's all. Makes the world go around, as does Out of Bounds every single Monday night here. Real quick, though, John, let's talk World Baseball Classic real quick because since I haven't gotten to watch a ton of it, kind of walk us through because they're playing in Japan, but then they're also playing here. How exactly, like, where does this thing, where where does this train stop eventually at the station? Like, how how does the tournament unfold? It wraps up Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Right. So it's right now they're playing in separate places. Yes, they're playing in all separate places. And I can tell you exactly where it ends. I'm pretty sure it ends. Typically, it's usually in San Diego, uh, but I can tell you that definitively in just one moment here. Uh, it's in Miami this year is where it wraps up. So it will be in Miami uh, March 21st. So eight days from now, we will see the championship. That's pretty quick. Um, it has been... Brutal. The I don't know if you've seen this has kind of gone viral. I was going to put this in the show today, but we had too much. Uh, the uniforms, some of them are just so lazy and like really crudely put together. Like the uh, uniforms for, I believe it's Great Britain, are just awful. And it, people are like, can we put a little more effort into this? If you want to Google it, you can see it. Um, yeah, Great Britain, obviously not a territory you particularly associate with baseball in particular. But one thing I will say that the World Baseball Classic is showing us is that uh, with these game times, they've all been pretty lengthy. I mean, last night's U.S.-Mexico game was almost a four-hour baseball game. And it's highlighting to us that this pitch clock and everything, it's working. In spring training, so I guess we'll see how it all unfolds in the regular season in just a couple of weeks here coming up, which makes me a happy panda. That's all I'll say. Who's winning March Madness, Mia? 
Uh, I've only filled out one bracket so far. I have UCLA um, just because I think that they were a team of destiny last year. And Don't then tell me. They read into their own, hi- they read into their own headlines. Don't tell me that uh, you are filling out multiple brackets here. Of course I am. Come on. Yeah, I always do three. No sheet of integrity here? No, I do multiple. Ugh. It depends because then I like kind of balance because I balance theories out together. Um, but yeah, no, I have UCLA. Um, although I picked UCLA and then I heard the stat that no number two seed has made the final, let alone won it since Villanova in 2016. If a number two does it, it's going to be Marquette. Mm, but, the Shaka Smart reincarnation. Yeah, I think, give me Kansas. Give me the Yeah, I agree. Back to back. I agree. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think they've been the, one of the, they've been the most consistent team all year. Um, I do think that Kansas UCLA in the Elite Eight should be the national title game, if not a Final Four game. We will find out. We'll probably be talking about more of that craziness here next week on Out of Bounds. She's got the nose. She's got no stomach. I kept punching it every time, stressing it every time I felt some stomach pain. Uh, But we're good. Everything's good. Did you coagulate your nose last week? I took more Flonase. Okay. This has been Out of Bounds on Know Your News. We will see you next week right here, Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.